Welcome, everybody, to the Dad's Drinking Bourbon Podcast. You may have seen us before on Instagram Live on Sunday nights at 9.30. You may have seen our reviews on our website that we really stopped doing around June. But now we are here. We are coming to you through your favorite podcast provider, whether or not it's iTunes, whether or not it's Stitcher, whether or not it's Google Play. And we are going to be doing this for the foreseeable future. My name is John Edwards. With me, as always, is Zeke Baker. Say hello to the folks. Good to see you're here, everyone. Uh, hope you enjoy tonight's uh, inter- entertainment. We're looking forward to this transition into a, another media outlet to help interact with you folks. Uh, whether you were uh, familiar with us or not, we think you'll find a, a good time and a good show. Yeah, because we realize, I mean, one of the reasons why we're doing this, people are going to ask, why are you going into a podcast? We know that not everybody likes to watch the video. Not everybody likes to actually, you know, sit there on Facebook. They can't make it to the live show Sunday nights at 930. So we want to be more accessible to everybody. So what we're doing here is we are going to do a podcast which is a very heavy review. We're still going to try to be light. We're still going to try to be fun. We're still going to try to make it interesting. We're going to do a heavy review podcast every week. And then we are going to do a live show Sunday night where all of you can come hang out with us. It'll be more lighthearted. But we are really going to try to get to the heart of the matter on this stuff on the regular podcast. Right, Zeke? Exactly. And, you know, furthermore, neither one of us for that light on the eyes. So this alleviates any issues anyone may have had. I have always been told I have a face for radio. So this is perfect for me. Even back when I was on the radio, I was told daily that I have a face for radio and I should never try to do TV. So I don't know why we did videos, but we are going to do a video format along with a podcast format. That way we can get to you in every way. We are also going to record Sunday nights moving forward. So if you miss the show, you can always catch it in a podcast. You know, Google, on Apple, on Stitcher. We're going to post it to YouTube. It's going to be on Facebook. So we're really trying to kind of expand out there and make ourselves as accessible as we can to you. And there will be some overlapping material. Ideally, these podcasts are going to be much more focused, much more concise. And then when we do our lives, there'll be seriousness to it. We will do similar, if not the same reviews depending on uh, what happens in between the course of a week and any other ideas that pop in our head but the idea is for these to be quick concise and something you can just really listen to and hammer out real quick Sundays when we're live much more interactive uh, a little more joking goofing off whatnot and just have a good time with uh, fellow connoisseurs but also give them a chance to weigh in. You know, They hopefully will have heard this podcast by then. So they have a chance to weigh in, say what they think about whatever we're drinking. We really want to make it interactive. We, want, we realize the bourbon community is a collection of opinions. And nobody is actually right. And I know that people want to come out and say that they're right. But all we are is we're two guys that are just giving you our opinions. You may like them. You may not. You may troll us on the internet. But all we are is giving our opinions. And every palette is going to be different. But our philosophy and what we really want to get across to everybody is to rethink how you drink. And how do we do that, Zeke? How do we how do we actually review stuff? Our preferred method is a blind side-by-side, whether it be head-to-head five different pours we like to do blinds you know we we know what the blinds contain um, which helps with a little bit of an idea but other than that we really just go on gut instinct and as john said we're by no means experts don't claim to be never will 
we just enjoy it and have fun. Hope you all do as well. And, and that's the fun part on the back end after the reviews are posted is on Sundays when we can interact with everyone and hear other people's thoughts. And then that's truly the best thing. Plenty of times someone brings up a point that never crossed our mind or something that we could compare it to that we hadn't thought of. And that's really what we enjoy the most is just hearing opinions, perspectives, and at the end of the day, everyone hopefully enjoying what they have in their glass. It is one of those things, we really want to make you rethink the way you drink, because one of the reasons that we do it blind is a lot of people will look at these and they'll get distracted by a brand name. Something will come out and they'll say, oh, that is such and such a brand, or that's Buffalo Trace, or that is something that's coming from Elijah Craig, or one of the big distilleries is putting something out, and and maybe it's BTAC, maybe it's PAP, Whatever that big release is that's coming out, people are going to automatically kind of be drawn to that name. What we want to do, and not every, it doesn't work every time. We did one earlier this year where we put a Stag Jr. up against a George C. Stag, and the George C. Stag was the clear winner. Sometimes we may go in thinking that the lower price bourbon or whiskey might take it but it actually is the higher price one that wins at the end of the day, but you're never going to know that unless you actually try it. So what we're going to do is we are always going to try to find something that's somewhat accessible to put up against something that might be more allocated that we're reviewing. We will also review more accessible things as well. You know, there's no real limit or boundary to what we're doing. It's just whatever is interesting and whatever you all might like to hear about. And other than that, we just like to have a good time. Tell the folks a little bit about yourself, Zeke, because you know some of them have, might have seen you on the live. You don't really talk that much. Very simply, my father likes gin and scotch. And as a youth, uh, we all dabble in things. So I think dabbling in those uh, immediately burned any uh, desire I might have ever had to jump into one of those. So bourbon was the next realm. Well, that's fair enough. I uh, my, Myself, I graduated from the University of Kentucky. And I think when you graduate from Kentucky, whether or not you like it or not, you are going to get a minor in bourbon. I think the one thing for me, I was actually tweeting about it with someone uh, the other day. I wish when I was back in college that I you know, had known to start a bunker because all of the stuff that was accessible when I was in college is now very, very heavily allocated or very, very uh, rare and hard to find. But for me, it was just being in Lexington, being in Kentucky, bourbon was just what we always had to drink. We didn't really even think twice about having something else. I'm originally from New England and then moved to Kentucky and then moved to Nashville. In New England, you know, people would venture out. They get jacked. Daniels. They get uh, Southern Comfort. They get some of that other stuff. In Kentucky, when I was in college, nobody ever thought about bringing anything else to a party or having anything else in your house than bourbon. So I think it's a natural fit for me to dabble and explore bourbon further. And I'm really interested to take this journey with all of you and, and, and figure out more. You know, As we move forward, We're going to mention it over and over and over. We want you to rethink how you drink. We will use the hashtag rethink how you drink because we don't want everybody just to look at brand names alone. We want people to to do blind tastings on their own at home. We want them to you know get together with a group of friends, have a tasting. If if you think that we're wrong on something. Do it yourself and try and come back and talk to us about it. We want this to be interactive. We want this to be an experience together 
And we don't want everybody just to go on brand name alone or what the hype is. You know, figure it out for yourself because everybody's going to have a different palate. I might like vanilla ice cream. Zeke might like mint chocolate chip, you know? What is your favorite ice cream? I'm not sure. I'm more of a candy versus a pastry or dessert kind of person. Oh, well, as a fat guy, I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> but, you know, I like it all. So this first show, as we're getting in here, we wanted to find something that's kind of topical, something that people have been talking about recently. And we immediately kind of decided on, and part of it was because I found a bottle, but part of it is because it's so relevant right now, is the Peerless Rye. So Peerless Rye just came out from Peerless Distillery in Kentucky. It's Peerless Distilling Company out of Louisville, Kentucky. They have come back and they are now doing this non-chill filtered two-year-old rye. It says no water added, barrel proof. It is very, very interesting because it's a little bit of an experimental ride. The The barrel entry proof is 107.8. You know, it comes off the still at 132. They put it in the barrel at 107. The final product we got was 107.8 proof, 53.9% ABV. There is three different proofs that have come out in these. Each one has a little bit of a different flavor profile. One of the, it is a two-year-old rye. It is kind of interesting because they have that low barrel proof, but the price tag on it is $120. So that's what everybody is kind of discussing. Some of these they thought were going to come out at $80, right? That's what you heard. Yes, everything I saw um, is the release date got closer, more and more hype or speculation, etc. came out, and under 100 i.e. 85 to 90 i think was what was in everyone's mind then suddenly within about a month or two of the release hey it's actually going to be 120 due to production cost labor other things we do to make our whiskey as clean as it is etc which is understandable but i would also think in a business world perspective if you're a couple of months away from a release you know what you spent from you know i guess what, 18 20 months ago 22 months ago odds are your accounting team should tell you what you have invested and what you need to price things at to, to get back towards the even side of things so uh, i wonder if they just had some backdoor discussions. The taste was what was perceived or told to them to be worth a higher price and or people will pay it. Because there was plenty of folks saying how amazing this stuff was even you know, as early as a year out, I think. One of the things people don't understand about that lower barrel proof is that it actually costs more money to do that. The The limit right now to put something in the barrel at is 125. There's places out there like Four Roses and Wild Turkey that do not put it in at 125. But when you put it in at 107, that means there's more barrels. It costs more money. There's more taxes. There's more overhead for that company. But what they ultimately think is they're going to lose the less from evaporation and they're going to have a better whiskey at a younger age and that's what Peerless is banking on. You know, Fred Minnick came out and, and if you guys don't know who Fred Minnick is, go look him up. He's a very, very good writer and a very, very, very good steward for the whiskey community. Fred Minnick thought this rye should come out at one year. He actually told them he thought it was ready after a year. They waited to two years. Peerless also has a bourbon that's going to come out, but they will not release it before four years. So this is pretty interesting that a two-year rye is coming 
coming out at, at $120, but that they have this unique method of creating it. Indeed, and the, the main difference they tout is that they use a sweet mash, not a sour mash, which, long story short, from what I could really gather, <clears throat> how much of a science background you have, sour mash is great because... The acidity heeds off any bacteria and is great for growth and promotion. Sweet, not so much. So you really have to clean out the fermenters with a fine tooth comb or whatever else is used for efficiency. But much, much more uh, stringent on cleaning and making sure that there is absolutely no bacteria. Otherwise, the entire batch could literally just turn to sewer material. And they do that after every run too. So they're after every run they have in the still, they clean it out and they sanitize it. They think it does a more consistent process, but that sour mash where you're actually reusing the remnants of the previous run, you know, they're not doing that in the sweet mash process. So that's very interesting. The low uh, barrel proof where it goes in is very interesting, but we are going to get to the point of the show where we actually drink it and talk about it. And I promise to you, for any of you that are listening, this will not happen 15 minutes in on the next show. We had to set the scene. We had to tell you what we were doing. We had to tell you to go find us on your favorite podcast provider, find us on YouTube, YouTube, find us on Facebook, and we'll talk about how you can do that at the end of the show, but we're not going to be spending 15 minutes talking about this moving forward. We are actually going to be getting in and drinking it. So what Zeke and I do is we blind each other. I know which ones he has. He knows which ones I have. We don't know our own. And we actually go into this with a clear head and a clear nose and a clear palate, and we actually sip it and figure it out. So the ones that we have decided to put this up against, we we decide to put this up against a Michter's Barrel Strength uh, Rye because if you've listened to us before, Zeke and I really think that is a gold standard rye. At $60, $70, depending on where you find it, it is one of the best ryes I think that is out there. Zeke really likes Dickel rye, but Michter's, we, we've done I like Dickel rye in the context of the price. Yes. But we do both agree that the Michter's barrel strength rye is, is probably, as far as what most people can find on a shelf, not an obnoxious price, etc. All things considered, a gold standard to us as far as where a rye should be, especially for barrel strength and the price. And for those of you listening to us for the first time, Zeke is from Georgia and does have an affect in his voice from time to time. You might see him say things like, or you might hear him say things like while, but he uh, he means well and we love him anyway. He is 100% right. That Michter's barrel strength is one of our favorites. It is the gold standard that we put it against. Just like when we think about other stuff, we we really put it up against like a Four Roses store pick. I think that's something that you'll find moving forward when we go to the bourbon side of things. It's really what how does this stand up against a Four Roses store pick? We have those measuring bars. And if you really think about this peerless here, this Peerless is twice the price of that Michter's, and we are also putting it up against the Barrel Rye, which is pretty accessible. The reason we're putting it up against the Barrel Rye is the mash bill, right, Zeke? Yes, it's a new mash bill from MGP, 51% rye, 49% barley. The price is somewhat high. I think it's around 80 85 maybe MSRP, but is a new rye on the market. And the Peerless does have at least a decent amount of barley in its mash bill. So we felt that would be um, an appropriate 
secondary variable to throw into the mix between the Michter's barrel strength, the peerless. Well, not to cut you off, but it's not, it's not, it's, it's 8% barley. So the peerless has not been released, but it's 61% rye, 8% barley and 31% corn. So it's not to a 49% barley, but it's still a fair amount of barley. I guess I feel like barley is pretty noticeable in expressions. You catch a lot of corn a lot though. Eh, Depends on what it is. But we are going to blind ourselves on these. We're, we're already a few minutes in, so we want to make sure we get to this quickly. We were going to try to keep these. Another, the next episode, you will not hear all these these caveats. But we are going to try to keep these review episodes to about 30 minutes. The Sunday night episodes, they may go a little bit longer. They might go an hour. They might go 45 minutes. But we will stay longer with you on those live episodes. But we really understand that there's a lot of stuff out there. There's even a lot of other good podcasts out there that you're probably listening to besides us. We want to make sure that we we understand your time as well. So we are going to keep these to about 30 minutes and we are going to be very heavy on the whiskey. So let's Let's get into it, Zeke. Let's actually taste this stuff. And and Zeke takes a little bit longer to nose and taste. Do you want me to go first or do you want you to go first? I'll start uh, sniffing. Uh, this first one I have, we both labeled these as A. Yeah, we just we just did an ABC today. So we made it very, very simple. On the nose, I get some heat and stringency coming off. Also get a barley smell. A little bit of a... Uh, Thick molasses, I guess. Some syrupy something in there. All I hear on my microphone is you sniffing and going, <sighs> Sometimes words come to mind. Sometimes they don't. So my apologies there. And and usually they're very relatable to things that um, you have probably eaten, smelled, or tasted. And by that, I don't necessarily mean baking spices. So sorry, I, I'm not overly scientific in those regards. But I, I like olfactory senses and memories. And that's what I try to throw out there. So it's hopefully more relatable to people than some spice or juniper that I don't even know what that means. Well, and and we are very simple people. So a lot of times we'll describe where it burns and tingles, but we, you know, there are people that, that we know that can name everything on their nose, everything in the palate. Uh, We are not as advanced as that, but we'll tell you what we like, what we don't like, kind of what that experience is for us. We're really good at describing the experience. We're not good at describing everything that we find in there because we probably don't find everything like everybody else does. All right, so for A, uh, moving from the nose into the taste, a good finish. It lingers somewhat, not an eternity by any means, but it's there. Flavor profile-wise, I would say on the front end, I get the spice that I would expect kind of drinking a rye somewhere mid to back end barley really seems to become much more maybe not much more prevalent but much more noticeable as in it's not a rye kick burn spice i don't think of my grandmother's house on christmas day by any means and then that trend of of flavor and and profile move toward the back end and finish which has a, a it's decent my a is very fruity on the nose it's a little bit young uh, smelling to me on that. I, I get a little bit of astringency, but I really don't think that is the peerless. I'm just kind of guessing here. The barrel rye is four years, six months. That's not very young. I mean, it's still four years there. It's not awful. I'm just kind of thinking on nose alone, this might be the barrel rye. I know we, we probably shouldn't get into that too much yet, but very decent nose, very fruity for me. I do like the taste. It's a, a tingle on the front end for me on this 
this one. I don't feel too much of a burn. The proof on the barrel Rilo is 117. It is 58.5% ABV, but I really don't, if this is the barrel rye, I really don't feel like it tastes like a 117. It doesn't feel like a, a cast strength there, but it's very enjoyable for me that, that A, go ahead and move on to your B. Nose, very nice, warm, smooth, much more of a, again, grandmother's house on Christmas Day feeling. Pretty inviting. The astringency is not overbearing. It's almost just enough to let you know it's there, which I like in a rye. Uh, I think when if you hear the words rye, you at least have some impression of warmth, burn, tingle, and a lot of uh, cinnamony maybe some sugary and uh, baker baking spices and uh, i would say that's where i am at this point with this one this second offering is just really good it is very warm very cinnamony i do get a lot of spice on this one the taste is just very smooth it i i can taste the heat but it's also nice and smooth as well i really enjoy this one i am leaning right now to the fact that this is Michter's because it tastes very familiar to me. It's like a cookie. It's like a Christmas cookie. Uh, I, I taste the spice. I taste the vanilla. I taste a little bit maybe gingerbread in there. This bee is very, very enjoyable to me. Maybe a little chai on this bee as well. I don't even know what that word means, John. Like chai tea? I mean, I hear about it, but I don't really go to Starbucks. So on this, uh, the second one here, it's a interesting contrast. Nose-wise, I, I thought it was somewhat decently heavy rye. Flavor-wise, I get a lot of the barley taste really coming through on this. I'm not complaining, I, I do enjoy it, but by no means is it, I think if someone told you to close your eyes and they were going to pour you a rye, what you were going to expect. So it's good, like I say, it, it's just not if someone said, close your eyes, I got a really good rye for your taste. What my mind would revert to in an expectation. Was that your second or third? That was the second. I, how did I get ahead of you? You always do. I know, you don't. I, I have been sitting here on mute, nosing while you're going. Well, you know, they say that Northerners do things really fast and Southerners do things really slow. <laughs> so I think this would be the perfect example of... I am getting to the, that time where I actually have spent more time in the South than I have in the North. It's very, very rapidly approaching. I think we're only about a year away. And then what are you going to call me then? I mean, that's fine. But earlier you made a joke offline about sitting in a rocking chair and that time being pointless. I spent countless hours in a rocking chair and I would gladly do it again. They're, no. they're enjoyable. So worrying is like a rocking chair. It's fun to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Sitting in a rocking chair got me four years of college and a degree. Doctorate even. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm going to do when I weigh in on your opinion now. I'm going to say, Dr. Baker, what, what is your opinion? So my C is very, very citrusy. It's a little astringent, but it's very citrusy. I don't feel like it's a high proof. I think I've narrowed it down in my head to the fact that the B is the Michters and the A and the C, one of them is Barrel, one of them is Peerless. I'm not sure which one is which right now, but I know that, that the B is Michters. And one of the, the fun things about doing blind, and, and I think some people are afraid of doing blinds because we can look really dumb when we get it wrong, which happens often. But um, I really think that it's an interesting one to me that C, I can't really distinguish the difference between that 
that A and the C for me right now, but I just know that the C is very citrusy. The B is very gingerbread. I There's not a lot of memorable stuff about the A. I'm going to have to go back and revisit that. In Inversely for me, C is, to me, what I would say, textbook rye, i.e. what I'm pretty sure is the Michter's. Great nose, great all around. Again, we're, we're not overly touting it, just say that when we think of rye, for one of the few times we both agreed that that's probably a product that we would say is a, is a very easy bar for, for things to measure up to in both taste and price and even availability. That, that That's where I'd put mine at. I'm pretty sure three for me is being the Michter's. I'm going to get a little bell because you are correct. I would say that I think one is gearless and two is the barrel. Wrong. A was the barrel for you, B was the peerless, and C was the Mictors. I am going to go ahead. I am going to say the A is the peerless, the B is the Mictors, and the C is the barrel. You got C right. Really? Yeah, interestingly enough, your first would have been Mictors, second would have been peerless. As I read that and also was looking at my results of this, and the reason that I picked two as being barrel and not peerless which thinking about it makes more sense now is i put that the nose seemed i think you got mine wrong no i put that the nose <laughs> seemed exceptionally like a rye but at the end i got barley flavor no because i'm gonna call bs because when you were pushing these over here you got these all messed up i, I did have a slight confusion in perception but I firmly know that Michter's went into the dad's glass. I know that for sure. And that's what is on A. So so Michter's was in the dad's drinking bourbon glass. It was. Well, that's interesting because I like Peerless more than I thought I would. I really think it opens up well. I This bottle's been open for about a week. It is really, really good rye especially for a two-year i think it's gonna surprise you if you ever have a chance to get it i think that's the price tag is the scary part that's the part that everybody is not 100 percent sure about 120 dollars for a two-year-old rye but it is very very good and it's something that felt like you know i think i could figure out what that mgp rye was it was very much a toss-up between the Michters, which we think of as the gold standard, right? And that peerless rye. Well, if I still had to, to rate them in that type of context. Well, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to well, that. Well, I'm Don't... just saying that so we did them blind to see what we, what we thought we knew, which is always fun. As John said earlier, uh, rethink what you drink and or you know, even just think what you, you know. And there's no harm, no foul in, in being wrong. We are more times than not, which is... Why don't we like doing this? And, but and it also gets us to learn as well. It gets us to learn what we like and what we don't like. But I, I will say, I guess my biggest thought would be, depending on where you are in a flavor profile, if you like that old factory memory of baking spices, showing up at grandma's on kitchen, Thanksgiving, whenever, and, and everything that you would throw into the kitchen sink of that perspective, the Michter's is probably more true to that definition. Although the amount of barley varies on both of these other two between the barrel and the peerless it's still there and the fact that it varies so much but it's still noticeable to some extent and degree to me that just creates a different 
flavor profile that if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. If you're in between, it's just a different tasting altogether. And I think that's one of the things that's interesting to me is, you know, so we've had three ryes tonight that are over 100 proof. And I don't think any one of these tastes like they are over 100 proof. They they really are very smooth. I would completely agree. Um, for, for barrel proof, which usually scares a lot of people, especially with the heat that can come with a rye. These are just good sippers. Even, you know, someone is, is not a fan of higher proofs. A couple drops of water should be all it takes. And it should be known that Zeke and I do not, we drink all of our whiskey neat when we're doing reviews. Some scientific stuff has come out to say that you should add some water to it. We don't care. We don't have enough time to do that. We, we drink everything neat. That being said... Let's talk about each one of these on their own, and then let's talk about where we actually rate this at the end of the day. So let's go with the rating first. How do you rate these one, two, three? You know what they are now, but it's okay. I mean, we're very transparent. We don't care. They're all super enjoyable to me. I I like the hints of barley, whether it be in rye or bourbon. That's something I, I can usually lean into and enjoy. When you look at the price point side of things, it makes it tough on the peerless especially as a young craft distillery we do understand that they haven't sourced you know that's their own preference they've waited at least two years and, and lord knows what kind of investment stake they have by now before releasing their product but at the same time if your first entry into the market is at 125 you're really limiting yourself on your audience base especially when you've gone up from where you said you were going to be in the beginning right yeah from what we could both find and, and had, had read in the past pretty much everything said under 100 i.e. 8590ish i would say and what people have told us that we know they have been told from peerless it was going to be under 100 and and what we saw was a referencing to extra cost obviously the sweet mash that the sour other technologies that are involved and, and that's fine and dandy if you're in business you should have a decent enough accounting team to where you suddenly don't realize two months before your release hey this actually cost us this much to produce bottle put on the shelves etc we need to kick it up an extra 40 bucks that that just seems i don't even know the word but if you're in that type of small craft industry you focus on everything. There's no way that was overlooked. And, oh, we need to charge this now to, to, to break even or, or make a little money, quote unquote. I understand what you're saying with that. I think when it comes down to it, Peerless tasted the best to me, and which is very, very surprising because I love that Michter's and I swear by that Michter's. I think I was able to determine which one the barrel rye was and that was pretty evident to me. I... I you know, I like the barrel rye, but I would probably lean towards the Mictors and the Peerless. But at the end of the day, if I'm going on straight taste alone, price is not an option. I would go Peerless, Mictors, then barrel. If I'm going price is an option, I'm doing Mictors, Peerless, barrel. Interesting. I think both sides of the coin, I would put Peerless toward the bottom. And maybe it's a, a jaded way of thinking, but I can't imagine anyone else that has seen the bourbon, rye, whiskey, whatever you want to call it, boom, has seen the growth in the past 12 months and, and sees where these trends are going. And so they're charging 125 for a two-year rye. What price tag are they going to put on their four-year bourbon? I don't want to live in a world that requires that much of an investment to have decent regular frequent drinkers i do understand what you're saying on that i'm just saying on taste i think the the 
two-year-old is going to surprise you. And we might put this up against some other stuff on Sunday, but that two-year-old rye, it really surprised me. And, and when you do things blind, you find things that you didn't think you'd find before. I really couldn't tell the difference between that. Mict- and, and I love that Mictors. I thought I would be able to uh, determine it anywhere. At the end of the day, let's talk about Peerless on its own. Our rating system at the end of the day, we know that you guys just want to know should you buy it or not. It's really not a a buy, bar, things like that. It's really just should you spend money on this whiskey in some way, shape, or form. So Zeke, I'm going to ask you that question. Should you spend money on this whiskey? On Peerless, I, I still have to pass. I've had multiple friends that have bought bottles, so they tasted it and loved it. And I guess maybe to that point, the ones that I know that have bought it have gotten a single barrel, which really not to eat up too much time, but obviously those are going to be somewhat different per the distillery. The batches they have on the market, there are three different ones. One is fruit forward, one is very tobacco forward, and one is baking spice and molasses forward. Obviously, depending on what shelf stock you got versus maybe a single barrel, you could have a completely and different unique experience. That is what it is. Looking at this is simply the name of if I walk in a store and I see Peerless on the shelf, I'm not going to pull that trigger. This is going to sound shocking to you, but as much as I like the taste, I would not buy this. I think it's sending a message and and I don't want to get into a whole, I don't want to get political. I don't want to get political, but capitalism at its best, right? It's a supply and demand thing. It is what is the market actually saying about this? If the market's going back and saying 120 is okay, then we're sending a message that we're willing to spend 120 on something. I would say that this is the best tasting one, but do I think it's worth $120 when the Michter's at 60 is really good to me? I would have been more apt to say, let's go out and get it if it was at 80. I I really do not like that $120 price tag. As a marketing play, I think putting it at $120 just really turns people off from the beginning. I couldn't agree more, especially for a first offering. We get it. You didn't source. You did everything is what you thought was the right way. There's benefits to that, whether they're internal or externally. But when you're dealing with the consumers, you can't throw a price tag like that out there from the get-go and expect to gain a really big following. It's never going to happen. I mean, even if you buy a bottle and enjoy it with all your friends, it's still a chunk of change. Well, just like R. Kelly on this one, my body is telling me yes, but my mind is telling me no. And I am not going to spend $120 on this, even though I already did. So that's going to do it. We will examine this on Sunday night against some others. We will do it live. We will blind ourselves again we will take your comments so what we're going to do uh moving forward we we obviously want you to rethink the way you drink so rethink how you drink is going to be the hashtag that we're going to use moving forward we are going to have an interactive show on sunday nights we're going to be putting these podcasts out we're not sure what day we will put these podcasts out yet but we are going to put the podcast out in anticipation of the sunday night so that you can listen to it you can comment on it with us follow us on Twitter at Bourbon Dads. Follow us on Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Follow us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. We are on YouTube at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Zeke, where else can you find us? In Nashville, Tennessee. 
<laughs> Perfect. We hope you guys come down one Sunday night, hang out with us. We, we we would love to be filmed by a live studio audience on Sunday nights, but we really appreciate everything you guys do. We're hoping that you guys are going to enjoy this format switch for us. And really just a, a format accessibility edition the lives will always be there again and look forward to sharing some pours with you either virtually or physically at some point cheers everyone and we will see you here soon ciao